0: All right, thank you. A lot of good messages have already been preached. Isn't that right? Through the worship and through uh, the, uh, the ministry time was really good. Uh, praying for, for the for the children and, and for the sick. That's such an important part. And then these announcements were... Hey, it's great when you have good announcements in a church. There's always been the plague in churches, announcements. Like, oh, Lord, here comes the announcements. <laughs> We have great announcers. They have great anointing on them. Thank you, Lord. Ooh, Lord, help, right? I just feel like you. Uh, we really do want to just, you know, give honor to to you guys. Uh, I, we had a great opportunity. Uh, <clears throat> I wanted to mention Friday night to go to Don and Linda's home group that was over at uh, the Great Heads New House. And uh, I just was so amazed in there at the power of God that's, well, let me say it like this, the potential power of God. Because, you know, uh, those electrical outlets there, you know they got power in them, right? Right, right. But there's no power until you plug in. Uh You got to plug in. You know, and then when you plug in, that that potential becomes reality. And that's what I see is a room full of potential. But we had to release that potential. Amen. Amen. And so I wanted to, <clears throat> that's not sort of my introduction, but I had, had a couple, of Philippians 2, this is not the message, this is actually for the great heads, Fourteen. I think it's verse 14 and 15, Philippians 2 verse 14 and 15 is what the Lord gave me the other night, but I didn't share it for some unknown reason. But it's good. And I believe the Lord, I wanted to tell you, uh, that room in the front when you were showing me that picture of of a person born again, picture, transformed picture, I believe the Lord's going to bring some people into that room, you know, that need what you have. So, and that's what's going to happen to them. There's a very powerful picture in her house. It's real prophetic. If you were to go over there, I'm inviting you over to her house. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, she may feed you. I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm not in trouble. I'm already in trouble. I'm just stalling for time. I'm going to get going. Okay. So I want to read a verse out of, out of Psalm 90 to you. Before I read it, I want to tell you about Psalm 90. Psalm 90 is a unique psalm in all the psalms because it's the only psalm written by Moses. Okay? It's the only psalm. In the in the Apparently, or people believe that he wrote the psalm uh, because the psalm is a, a psalm. The first part of it is, is reflection, where Moses reflects on life, and then uh, in the middle of the psalm and to the end of the psalm, he prays. And really, what uh, they believe, uh, whoever they are, I, I'm not figured out they, but these just seems pretty theyish. Okay, I couldn't find who they was, but I believe they were right is that he was he was declaring the psalm to the new generation that was about to pass in, go over and pass over into the promised land and he was he was he was giving them wisdom he was giving them what it takes to have wisdom how to look at life because they were fixing to walk into something that they had never experienced before because all their life they had lived in the wilderness And they had had marched into the wilderness, and they had this cloud that covered them and shielded them from the heat during the day and led them during the day. Uh, And at night, they had this fire that led them but also kept them warm at night. And then they had this manna every day that would come down from heaven. And so they were completely cared for the whole time they were there. Their clothes didn't even wear. It's just an amazing thing, a miraculous way that God provided for them, but... But what they were going to face, and they didn't realize this, is they were going to lose all of that. They were losing the cloud. They were losing uh, the provision of food. And they were going to have to go and begin to do something different and live different. And they were going to have to face war. There was there, that was really the, the thing when you read the book of Joshua. is The book of Joshua is a book of warfare. And that's why Jesus appeared to Joshua as a man of war, as a captain of the Lord's army. And one of the great revelations of my life has has been to understand that God in different seasons will appear to us in different ways. And the way he appears to us in that season is the way he wants us to know him and the way he expects us to conduct ourselves in that season. So many times we, we go off the bat because we have, we're trying to live in a time where they, that's, that's not the time of God. It's not how God is, is revealing himself. It's not what God is doing. It was what God maybe had done or maybe what he's going to do. But we're sort of wanting that to be the way it is. And we don't refuse. That's why the Lord told Joshua, listen, you need to bow down. This is holy ground and get your shoes off. Because we're fixing to shift gears here real quick, and you need what I'm revealing to you. You need to know me as a man of war. Okay? And so this was sort of the where I believe that Moses was trying to really give them, the people, give them something to go on as he was passing off the scene. And that was another big deal. Moses, my servant, is dead. That was a big deal because here you had one of the greatest men of God that ever walked on the earth... Right? And suddenly you're losing this man. Suddenly he's no longer in the picture. You get his understudy. You get his, 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 his right-hand man. Well, that's not quite, quite right. We don't want the right-hand man. We want the main guy, right? We want the guy who, who the original man of fire, who really heard the voice of the Lord, and the man who's part of the Red Sea. We want, that's the guy we don't want. We don't want to get the, the younger guy, Right? We'd rather have the main guy. I know I would. I don't know about you. I'm looking for the main guy, not some, hey, number one's fine, but I want want the top guy. You know, number one is the first officer in a, you know, Starfleet, Star Trek, you know, number one. (laughs) Anyways, thank you, Lord. So this is, I'm just trying to get you, pull you into the, the sense of this psalm, because there's something in this for us. Because I do believe we have crossed over in a sense. Uh, we've crossed over into a new decade, a new Hebrew. De- don't forget that. And this was the decade that the it's the decade of the mouth. It's the decade that God wants to teach the church how to speak, yeah. and to have influence. And we think we thought it was going to be nice and beautiful and smooth, right? We didn't realize that He was going to yank the rug out from under us completely yank the rug and disrupt everything and just just uh, well maybe god didn't disrupt everything maybe but he sat back and said well go ahead devil and disrupt everything because i need to do something in my people i need to equip them i need to enable them to become what they're supposed to be now you know god really wants to draw the church out he wants to bring us up. He wants us to step into to the now of God, and to, to the. Uh, well, we just gotta get away from having somebody else giving us something all the time. We gotta get it ourselves because we can, and we gotta begin to be that person who yes. gives. Yes. Yes. That's where God wants the church to go. We gotta become those people that actually give something. Instead of us always feeling like we need something, God is saying, no, it's your time. Sitting in that room the other night, I realized this, this group of people in this room, just in this room, could turn this whole state upside down. There's so much of God in that room. There's so much experience of God in that room. If we really believed what we had and believed what God has been speaking to us for years, if we really believed that we could change the world, we literally could, in that one room, there's enough power in that one room the other night, it would be like a nuclear bomb going off in North Carolina. I mean, I, I really believe that. I was really uh, ministered to there by that. But what I'm not ministered to is how we, we are holding back and, and we feel like we're lacking something and feel like we need something more. You know, I think one of the ways God really wants to teach us and one of the ways he's taught me is if you want more use what you got you hear what I'm saying to you one of Bob Jones most famous words to me is Bob you got a word for me no I don't have a word for you here's my word for you use what you got And the the teaching really is this, is if we'll use what we have, then God will, it opens the door for God to give us more. But God's not going to just keep pouring into us and it just is like the Dead Sea. There's no outlet, there's no, there's no flow in it. And we wonder why we feel stale. We wonder why we don't feel like God's using us. We wonder why we don't get revelation. It's because we're not taking what He's already given us and putting it to work. And putting feet on it. That's why James said, faith without works is dead. He, that's not a wet works versus faith statement. He was just saying, if God is speaking to you, if God is revealing himself to you, there's got to be something that comes out of that. Otherwise, all that he said and spoke to you is it's going to create knowledge in you. And knowledge puffs up. Knowledge will take you down. And that's part of our problem. We've had all this revelation, but we didn't do anything with it, and it just became knowledge. You know, and God doesn't want us just to have knowledge. He really does He wants us to have revelation, and out of that revelation, life can flow. Are y'all good? Just go this morning. Anyways, that was the introduction. Maybe I should just go ahead and end this thing right now. It could go downhill real quick. Trust me. It's agonizing. We're in an agonizing time. We really are. God has, listen, I want to tell you this. I want, to, I want to tell you, I tell myself this every day now, is don't hide in your comfort zone. Oh, come on. Don't hide in your comfort zone, because your comfort zone is, is going to fool you and let you down. Right. You've got to get into the Holy Spirit's comfort zone. That's the safe place. He has a comfort zone for you. The problem with his comfort zone, it don't feel that good at first. He wants to get you out of your comfort zone. Okay? He, and that's what he has done. He has allowed the world to be shook. Because He wants to shake us up and get us uncomfortable. You know, like the old analogy of the eagle stirring up the nest. I'm just going to hush about that. But I do believe if you'll do that, if you will allow yourself to make a shift, to make a transition with the Holy Spirit, you can begin to really see like an eagle. You can begin to see what God's doing and hear what God's doing instead of seeing what everybody else in the world seeing. That's what we've got to get, y'all. We've got to get. God has a different view of things. And if all we see is what everybody else sees, what are we and what good are we? We're no good. Because if we're not seeing what God's seeing, we're not able to understand what's happening. And that's really what Moses was trying to teach those people here. Okay, I'm gonna go ahead and read it just to get over this. It says in verse 12. This is where he begins to pray. First uh, 11 verses is all about reflection. Beautiful. You need to go and read it. But this is a famous verse, right? Teach us to realize the brevity of life, so that we may grow in wisdom. Isn't that beautiful? Uh, the New King James says, "Lord, teach us to number our days, so that we might gain a heart of wisdom." And I wanted to read uh, Passion uh, Bibles. It says, help us to remember that our days are numbered. And help us to interpret our lives correctly. Interpret our lives correctly. Set your wisdom deeply in our hearts so that we may accept your correction. God, listen, God is doing a course correction. He's, corre- He's correcting the course. He's correcting the course of the world. He's correcting the course of the church. And our, our job is to correct with him, just like this. So that's what Moses was saying. Your life is going to take on a different course now. That, it's just not going to be the same, and you're going to have to adjust to it. And part of your adjustments is there is, are issues in this land that God has given you. Somebody else thinks it's theirs. You hear what I'm telling you? Somebody else thinks your promises are theirs. Somebody else thinks your future is theirs. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? That Somebody else thinks it. And although God has given all that to you, you have got to go for it. You've got to go get it. You're going to have to get it out of their hands. And that's what he was telling them. That's why he said, take your shoes off. Take your, because you're going to have to learn how to step right. You're going to have to learn how to step in accordance with me. And lots of times, our dreams and our visions and our hopes are not fulfilled because we're not stepping for it, we're not going for them. We're thinking they're just going to fall in our laps. But they're not going to fall in our laps. They're really not. And, and that's what happened with Israel. And the Lord said, I'm not going to give it all to you at one time because if I did, the wild animals would take over. You're going to have to get piece by piece and learn this thing. Or Anyways, that's sort of from that. So, um, um, so here's the thing: if you if you put this psalm, if you think about this psalm, reflection plus prayer is important. Okay, that's what he did. He reflected, and then he had then he prayed. So that's really important, and I think that's a lot of what has happened. I hope with people in this year, I hope we have had times of reflection about our life and about the state of our life and about what's going on in our life and where we've been and what we've done and what we perceive to be our future. And I hope we have begin to pray about those things and begin to allow God to speak to us through those things. Those times, because he, Moses was warning them, listen, this thing is is moving on; it's not sitting still. And a lot of Christians are sitting still right now, because they're holding on to their comfort zone. Right. And, that, and Moses was really trying to encourage them not to hang on. And so, he was saying, there, "There's going to have to be some realignment, mm-hmm. okay, for you. There's going to have to be some resets. There's going to have to be some new choices that you're going to have to." begin to make, and I think we all need to face that, uh, both on a personal level, because see, what I'm going to take you, it, it can't just stay personal, somewhere we've got to go beyond just our own personal reflection, and our own personal, how our lives are lining up, it, there's going to be, there has to be something that takes us beyond that, but it's got to, we've got to start here with us, everything starts on the inside, all changes in life don't occur from outside in, they occur from inside out. And that's really one of the things I feel like God has been doing uh, this year. If we're going to learn how to use the word of the Lord, if we're going to learn how to use the sword of the Spirit. Are y'all thinking about this? Any, you know, um, I, can I, I wanted to tell you this story uh, that I was thinking about this morning. It's one of my favorites. I think I probably told it probably 150 times, but I love this story because it was one of the most beautiful, it changed, really, it was a time of reflection in how the Lord shifted my life. Um, It was this. It was in 1995. uh, This man named Fred Malier, he was an old man then, I thought. (laughs) I don't think he was that old. I think I might be older than him at that time. But he invited me to go to Cuba with him. He was like a famous person in Cuba, like, like, like he was a, like this legendary, legendary guy down there, I found out once I got down there. So I foolishly agreed to go with him, okay? I actually felt like the Lord wanted me to go, and so um, I got to the airport. I was going to meet him in Miami, and I got to the airport in Miami, and there's Mr. Fred Malier uh, sitting on the floor, uh white is a ghost, sweat dripping off of him, leaning up against the wall, and he said, Byron, I'm not going to Cuba because I have the flu. You can go if you want to, or you can turn around and go home. And basically said, Goodbye. And he got up and walked off. And I'm thinking, what the heck? <laughs> I'm thinking the Lord told me to go. Tom, I'm going. <laughs> I just went. I can't. I don't know if I, Lord have mercy, why did I ever say I would do that? Because at the time, you didn't go to Cuba, right? I don't know if you can now, I don't know what the situation is, but you did not fly from Miami to Cuba. I'll tell you that right now. If you wanted to get in Cuba as an American citizen, you had to do it other ways. That's all I'm going to say. And that was really where the problem came, is the way I got in there. Put me in a very vulnerable situation it put me in a situation that I've never been in in my entire life and I realized it as I was flying from this other country that I spent a few days with and met these crazy people they were all Christians but they were the craziest people I'd ever met I mean they were just insane man they were Jamaicans <laughs> and they were just what wi- they were they make the wildest Americans look tame and, oh, my gosh, that world I went into. When you think about Jamaica, you think about beaches. Well, I'm going to tell you, there's a whole other part to it. It has nothing to do with beaches. It's the part, I went to the part where it says when, when they became independent of England, and a few years later the queen visited and broke down and wept over that nation, how bad it was. I went to that part. I went to parts where they said, do not, do, do not walk two steps away from us. Because you're the only white person here. And if you do, you might not go home ever. So, like, hey, what am I doing here, Lord? Why did I say yes to this? But that was just the beginning. So, I mean, oh, gosh, I just, oh, Lord, I did some things. now I think, why did I do that? that? was so stupid. God took care of me. but So I'm on this Cuban airplane, okay, going to Cuba. And I'm by myself. And I'm starting to think, like, number one, I was scared to death the airplane was going to crash because I'd heard so many bad stories about how everything was falling apart in Cuba, and uh, which it was. So I'm thinking, is the plane going to even make it? And number two, I'm in trouble. Nobody can help me. Nobody. Nobody in the world. Becky can't help me. My mom and daddy can't help me. My friends can't help me. I have put myself in this situation. The United States government can't help me. And so here I am. I have never felt in my life so vulnerable. And I was scared. Like, what have I done, Lord? You know, if something bad happens to me over there, they, I may never get to see my family again. And I was sitting in the airplane thinking about all that and thinking about my life and thinking about why why I did what I did. And this story came to my mind. This, this memory came to my mind. And here's the memory. This is a, a beautiful memory. The memory was I heard this testimony of this surgeon. And the surgeon was, his testimony was this. He was, you know, one of these uh, orthopedic surgeons who did surgery on people. There was a little boy whose arm was severed, completely severed, right there. And he was going to be the surgeon that was going to attempt to reattach the boy's arm. Okay? And so he was in his office getting ready for the surgery, you know, reading his anatomy books. He was a believer. And he felt the Holy Spirit come on him. And he looked up, and it was like he looked to his wall of degrees and certifications. And the Holy Spirit spoke to him right then and said, Everything, all of that was for right now. And when I thought about that, I realized I'm sitting in this plane, and I knew God had prepared my life for that moment. That God didn't allow me. He did not really put me in a situation that, and I knew all everything I had experienced my entire life, God had prepared me to go and be on that airplane and have the only thing that I had at that moment was God. That's the only thing I had. I only had God. That's a, not a, it's, that sounds beautiful, but it's, it's terrible. Because you realize how many other things that you have in life that you can pull on, that you can rest on, that you can look to. But at that moment, all I had was this person. And then I had the concern of we had to bring all our own food in there because the people we were going to minister to were too poor to feed us, and we were going to be there for a week And I had to haul this food in. They said, if they catch you with that food, you could be in big trouble with them. So I'm thinking, I got to, don't, you know, I was telling you all these things not to do with the people to try to, don't act American on them and try to smart talk them. (laughs) The airport lands, you know, in those days in the United States, you could walk back to the gate. Remember that? You could, you know, you never saw people walking around with AK 47s waiting on you. There was waiting on us soldiers with AK-47s. Oh, God, they found me out. <laughs> that's the way it felt to me. Somehow, with the grace of God, I got through the whole thing. They didn't never go through my luggage or nothing and, you know, hauled it out. Walked out of the airport. The people that was going to greet me were these two people, and they had a big old flatbed truck. They took my stuff out, and they looked at me, uh, Espanol, like, you know, English, like, no. And that's the way it was the whole week. I couldn't speak a word of Spanish. They couldn't speak a word of English. But the thing that happened to me is God shifted me that week. I fell in love with missions that week. I I felt a call in my life. I fell in love with Hispanic people. I saw, really saw, like these are the most beautiful people. They have so much to give us. They have so much, you know, for the world. They let me preach like to two thousand people. Like, why y'all letting me preach to two thousand people? Are y'all crazy? You know, but the whole point of the thing is is that this is where I believe we are now. I believe we're in a terribly uncomfortable situation, a terribly uncomfortable situation with the coronavirus, with violence, with the most hotly contested presidential election in our lifetime. All of this has come together and created a very difficult place for us to be. And, it, and, it's, and it's put this fear in us. As, and that's one of the things that I think we ha- I had to face in that airplane. I had to face that I was scared. I was vulnerable. And that's, it takes humility and it takes wisdom to face your fears. And it doesn't matter if you're afraid of the coronavirus, or you're afraid about your future, or you're afraid about your past. You, that's one of the things Moses wanted them to get. He wanted them to be able to face up to those things that down in their heart they're afraid about. Because we'll never have. That's what wisdom is. Wisdom is facing those things, addressing those things, and realizing your state, and realizing your need of God. And I think that's where the church needs to come to. That we can't rely on all these other things. We really can't. All the things that have propped us up, we've got more props than we know. Yeah. We have a lot of props. I didn't realize I was propped up by my wife. I was propped up by my government. Yeah. I didn't realize that at that moment I realized it. Are you all following this? Yes. I hope you're doing really good this morning. <laughs> it also takes a lot of wisdom to see through stuff, yeah. to see through fear mongering, to see th- through how bad actors are at work yeah. behind the scenes, manipulating situations. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that God is doing right now. He's uncovering things. Yeah. Don't turn your head and hide your face from it, and say that's conspiracy theory. Some of it may be, but we need to really open our eyes. Wisdom says, see these things. See these things. Not to let them run you off and push you away, but to see. Because God sees them, and he wants us to see things. Because he wants us to do something about some stuff. See, that's the thing. Guess what Moses told him. You're going to have to do something. You need this wisdom, because you're going to have to do some stuff. I'm not going to be there to fight your fight for you. Oh, Lord, help. Y'all, mm-hmm. Okay, thank you, Doug. Good old Doug Murdoch. All right, I'm going to read another verse in the New Testament now. This is powerful, man. This is a powerful three verses here. Listen to this. This is how it starts. It don't. It starts rough. The end of the world is coming soon. I was like, What? The end of the world. We're at the end of the world. I mean, good Lord, he said that a long time ago. Think about what he was saying. He wasn't trying to put a date on the world ending. He was trying to inform people because Jesus had already told everybody, in the last days, it's going to be tumultuous times. In the last days, difficulties are going to come. Peter was saying, those things are soon upon us. In his day, they were very soon upon them. They went through a little bit of an end of the world, right? Yeah. They really did. And then he gave some amazing counsel. Okay, now this is, just the word of God is our counselor. Right. Yeah. If we would listen to it and do it, it will make the difference. And this is what he's, the end of the world's coming soon. In other words, he could say, you know, bad times are on you, trying times are on you. I think what Paul said uh, in Timothy, 2 Timothy 3.1, this is what he said, you should know this, Timothy. Don't you love that? You should know this, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. You should know this. Christians should know this. and we, we, And when we know stuff like this, then we can begin to understand some things and begin to adjust ourselves instead of trying to act another way. And so um, he said, therefore, right? Everybody knows when the Bible says, therefore, right? The old preacher trick is there for a reason. <laughs> Troubled times are here, therefore, here's what you need to do. And that's beautiful how God has addressed He said, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. That's what he said. Earnest and disciplined. And so I think that's really one of the things that we're going to really have to think about is our prayers. Because I think that's really what the God is calling the church to do right now. I, I, I want to say this, okay? I really don't want to say it. I wish I didn't, but we're just in a time of war. Yeah. Yeah, we are. We are. <laughs> Y'all, face it. Yeah. We're in warfare. Yeah. Yeah. You can say no all you want to, but you're the only one fooling yourself. We're, we're in war. Now, here's the thing about this warfare stuff. Back in the, I guess, 80s, it was really sort of a trend in the church, a uh, move in the church. I don't know. And there was a lot of that. I really got into that spiritual warfare thing. And, but there came a time when I had to get out of it. Okay? And here's why. Because it hurt my heart too much. It hurt my heart to me. I couldn't, I just could not deal with that kind of intensity in the spirit all the time. Because my flesh just couldn't stand up to it. And I think that was one of the things that pushed that, for me, I pushed it away. It's because I realized something, the way I'm geared, it, you can ask Becky this the way. I'm gear. When I get into something, I'm in all the way, 110. You know. But here's what the problem is: you have to be able to walk away from stuff. You can't live in that state. You got to go do your assignment and go home and hang out with your friends, take a nap, hang out with your grandkids. If you're in that stuff all the time, 24 seven. It's going to hurt you. You have to learn how to behave yourself in warfare. You really do. Those soldiers and more that are like get stuck in this combat situation for days on end, they come back almost lost their minds. Almost lost their minds because of the intensity of what they were in. God didn't create human. Chuck Moore. Y'all, many of y'all know Chuck Moore. <laughs> He's the last person in the world that should say something like this because he likes, he likes warfare. He, he was one of these people. I'm thinking, you were born to wage war, son. But he said this. He was talking about some other people, actually. Those people have let their armor harden their hearts. You hear what I'm saying? You will get hard. Moses got hard at one point. I want to tell you this. Moses got hard. He struck a rock when Jesus said, speak to it. And then he began to scold the people. Because that war got in him. It got in him. It's not supposed to get in you. I'm just giving you some good advice that I learned the hard way. Because we don't need to pull out of the war. We just learn how to function in the war, do our job, and go home and have pizza. Oh, I was to, that reminds me of no pizza for diabetics. <laughs> Salad. <laughs> Actually, here's a word that Bob Jones gave the first time he ever met Heidi Baker. Y'all, it, she, they, they said, you need to go meet this, this man. He's a prophet. And, uh, and he looked at her and he said, you know what you need to do? What? I'm waiting on the great word. Go get you a chocolate cook chip cookie and eat it what he told her. He was telling her, you need to, you need to chill. You're not going to last long haul if you don't learn how to chill. I thought that was pretty, pretty good. Go get a, well, it would have been better if he said get an oatmeal raisin cookie. All right, All right I'm going to try to be focused here. Here's what he said, be earnest and be disciplined. Uh, he's referring to uh, Elijah. Is who he's referring to. You know what James says about the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Well, I want to tell you if you look go back to uh, 1 Kings chapter eighteen, there's a story that's a very powerful story in the Bible. One of them, man, it just affects me, and I'm so thankful I got to go there where Elijah called fire down from heaven, and uh, he prayed, he called fire down from heaven, and then later he broke a 3 year drought through his prayers. That's how powerful his prayers were. And but one of the things he did when he, he let the other prophets of Baal do their thing for a while and then finally they gave up. And first thing he did he he called the people and said come to me. That's what he said, come to me. And the people came to him. And then he did something that I thought was amazing. It says he rebuilt the altar of the Lord. He rebuilt the altar of the Lord. And I believe that's what God's doing right now is He's calling His people to Himself. And He wants to, and an altar speaks of worship, it speaks of prayer, it speaks of consecration. And that needs to be rebuilt in our nation. The altar of the Lord needs to be established in the United States of America. It's our job to do that. It's our job. It's not not the president's job. It's not the Congress's job. It's not the governor's job. It's the people of God's job to establish this order and call the people of God back to consecration, back to devotion, back to obedience. And that's what... Because he told the you're going to have to make a choice. You're going to serve the Lord or serve Baal. There's no in-between in this deal. And, And that's what he told them that day. And then he called that fire down. And then... He went and and prayed about the the drought. And before, all he saw, the Bible says all he saw was a cloud the size of a man's hand. And he got up and started giving instructions because, in his mind, that's the rain. We wouldn't think it. We want to see a dark cloud looming. and Oh, look at the rain coming our way. No, he didn't do that. He saw a a cloud the size of a a man's hand. And so I think that's what we had to learn is we gotta learn how to pray, you know, with fire. We're gonna to have to bring that fire down. We've got to really tap into the fire of God to really, really see God do something. And it's gonna take obedience. It's gonna take seeing the our own personal altars restored, our own personal devotion to the Lord. Some of you need to repent in this room this morning because you've fallen into to, to sin. You've sinned, you you you've compromised. I'm just going to be straight with you. And don't tell me you haven't because I know you have. Because you're a human being. And that's what we do as human beings. We sin if we don't really have fire, the fire of God working in our life. And little by little we begin to compromise. Little by little by little. And then one day we find ourselves in a very compromised situation. And we really need to be people of repentance. And realize, Lord, I've drifted far from what you wanted from me. I didn't mean to. I wasn't intending to go out and be, be do the things and begin to think the way I think. And y'all got quiet. But I'm telling you, you need to this is a time to, to get clean with the Lord and get right with the Lord. The church needs to get right with Jesus. And we need to quit some of the stuff we've been doing that's not working. We really do. We need to stop some of this stuff. And start doing what works. And and He is what works. Can I read this one verse to you? Y'all, everybody's mad now. (laughs) (laughs) You're supposed to talk about repentance sometimes, right? Listen to what uh, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. That's important. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons... To knock down the strongholds of human reasoning. Knock them down. We're not doing that. We need to start, when I'm talking about spiritual warfare, that's one of the first targets we need to go after. Listen, this is what Jesus did. Centurion, I need Jesus to come heal my servant. They send people, will you go go heal this guy? Yeah, I'll do it. On the way, no, tell him not to come, I'm not worthy. All he needs to do is speak the word. Speak the word and my servant will be healed. That's how we do this. We begin to hear stuff that's not right, human reasons, false arguments, and we begin to speak the word of the Lord towards those things. When we hear a politician or some person or some social media thing saying that, all we got to do is begin to speak the word of the Lord and say, That's a lie. We don't have to go tell the person they're a liar or go beat somebody up or slash them around throw bricks at them. We just begin to speak the word of the Lord. That's, that's the warfare God's called us to do. And if the church would begin to do that, we could change our world. Because there's spiritual power in the words. God wants to teach us how to use to be his mouthpiece. He's going to accelerate that. And that, I really believe that's the way. So I'm always, I've even, I've had people talking to me and I'm like under my breath like that's a lie. I reject that. I ain't doing that. I don't take it on myself to correct them unless the spirit told me. Which he normally don't. We just destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. That's what this is about. Now, I'm going to say this. That's what it's about. It's not about our Constitution, ultimately. Because if we have our Constitution secure and the people don't know God, we're going to be in worse shape. Yeah, we're not even going to be there. So this, that's what we had to keep this in mind when we were especially when we are speaking into the political realm and knocking those things down, that it's about that those things are hindering people from knowing the Lord. And we want people to know the Lord. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. And I think, you know, as we begin by speaking it. And God will give us the opportunity to, to bring the obedience of Christ. So I think that's you know, what God's calling us, the church, I think that's sort of like our marching orders right now. That's what I feel from the Lord personally. Right there, that's your marching orders. Get in line with what I'm doing because that's what Jesus wants to do. He wants people to know Him and He wants to push things out of the way that are hindering people from knowing Him. And if it's the church that's hindering people, He is going to deal with those churches. If it's Christians, He's going to go after them at some point. He's going to make them ineffective. Okay, But we can be effective by speaking in agreement with the Holy Spirit and begin to declare things over our nations. And I'm going to tell you, it does no good to berate politicians. It does no good to condemn them and criticize them and judge them. That's not helping things. What we got to do begin to speak to the lie behind them. That's how we're going to help them and get them fixed because they need to know the Lord. You know? And the same thing with people on the television, the media. You know, what did you say, CNN? I didn't say that. <laughs> no, it's all of it. I'm telling you, in my mind, is all of it. I'm sickened by, I can't listen to any of them. They're like, uh-uh. I don't care if they're left or right. It's like, mm, no, that's, that's wrong. There's too much wrong coming out of those mouths. That's just me. That's me, okay? And Jim, we just go talk to each other. Me and Jim talk to each other about it. But God's calling us to influence the outcomes of situations. He really is. I really believe that from my heart. He's calling the church to have a voice of what's going on in our nation and in the nations of the world. That's what the decade of the mouth is all about, is that we can begin to have a voice, His voice. And you may think, well, that seems impossible, but it's not. It's not. Jesus gave us the keys to the kingdom, and we had to start believing that and begin to learn how to do it. We may have to start crawling to do it, but I'm good to crawl for a while until I learn how to walk and then I learn how to run. Anyways, let me read this one more thing. Oh, let me tell you. That's not always said. Are y'all good? Yeah. Listen, he said this. And this is crazy. So he did the whole prayer thing. I did the whole prayer thing. He only said it in a sentence. But then he says this. This is amazing. Verse 8. Most important of all. Did, did you hear that? Most important of all. He said, y'all need to be disciplined and earnest in your prayers. You need to go after this. But there's something even more important than that. This is the Bible. This is what the Bible says. Continue to show deep love for each other. Yep. Yes. That's spiritual warfare. Yep. I mean, that's, there's power in that. Yeah, for love covers a multitude of sins. And that's what we've been called to do is cover. Okay, if you have liberal-minded friends and you're a conservative-minded person and your liberal friends start spouting out stuff, your job is to cover them and love them and not, not break your friendship with them. That can be kind of hard to do, right? But that's what the Bible teaches us. Yeah, it gets frustrating. Like, oh, I'm going to kill them. <laughs> Why Why are they in my life, God? That's how you feel. I have a few. But I do love them. But I've had a hard time loving them at times. So cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. That's fellowship, that's communion. And so, I, what I tell everybody is don't break fellowship. Don't break fellowship over stupid stuff. Don't break fellowship because you have different political views. Don't break fellowship because you have different views on the COVID. That's not worth it. And that's anti the Word of God. We need to line up with what the Word of God says and let God take care of things that we don't think is right. And the problem's going to be is we're going to find God adjusting us. Like, well, you weren't right about this, Byron. You were saying he was saying that, and, then you're, and you're wrong here. You'll find that. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Each of you. Use them well to serve one another. So he said to love people by sharing with them, forgiving them, covering them with love, uh, being hospitable with people, letting people into your life, sharing your life and your spiritual gifting. That's what Peter's saying. When times get hard, Pray and do these things towards people. If you will do those things, you're doing what the Bible has said, and God will be on you and use you in those places. and you can make a difference. I want to read one more scripture, okay? And this is about relationships. Everybody happy? Oh yes. Well, we're so happy, Lord. <laughs> Let me read this one: Steward your relationship with love, hospitality and gift, and I think that's a good way of saying that. Steward your relationships with love, hospitality, and your gifting. That's serving people. That's caring for people. That's building people up. Don't tear them down. Build them up. Love them. Uh, let's read uh, Luke 6, 37 through 38. This is coming from the, from the Jesus, what he was saying. He says, do not judge others. So that's one thing we can't do. And you will not be judged. <laughs> that's, st- that's one thing we always need to work on is our judgments, Right? Then he says, do not condemn others, or it will come back against you. He was flat saying that if you condemn people, if you judge people that you have differences with or, you, or not, or just because you don't agree with them, it's going to come back on you. So if we sit there and condemn the person in the political party that we don't like, it's going to come back on us. We don't have a right to do that. If we judge them, it's going to hurt us. We do not have it. That's part of the problem with the church. We, we are throwing knives and hatchets at people. We're, we're waging spiritual warfare as humans. And it's, it's going to hurt us. It's hurting us. Give. Notice he shifts into another gear right here. I want you all to hear this. This is important. Give and you will receive. Your gift will be returned to you in full. Press down, shaken together to make room for more. Run it over. <laughs> remember that song? <laughs> that was an old song. You remember it, Becky, right? We used to hear it every morning going to going to work on the radio. Jimmy Swagger was sing this song when he was at, taking up the offering. Press down, shaken together, running over. Pour it into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Well, I think we all know that's really important about giving. Uh, of finances, uh, about giving, of love, about giving, of hospitality, giving your gifts. But here's the thing that we have to see. Jesus connected that last part of that with the first part. Are, are y'all seeing that? In other words, you can be the most generous person in this room, and your generosity really doesn't work that well. And why does it, does it work? That's, here's the question. When you feel like you're generous... And you're a giver, 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 but something, some reason, it just doesn't seem the rest of it's not happening, Lord, and it's never been happening. There's something this giving thing don't work. You ever felt that? Has anybody ever felt this giving thing just don't work? There's nothing coming back to me, Lord. I'm going broke giving. This this whole giving thing's a farce. Well, here's the problem: it's because there's relational dysfunction. That's what he was saying. Don't judge. Don't condemn. If you do that, it's going to hinder the anointing of generosity that's supposed to come back to you. Do y'all get that? We really need to get that one. Because God really wants to bless people. He wants to bless you in every area. He wants to enrich you. He wants to give you money. He wants to give you gifting. He wants to give you a lot of things. He wants to give you more love. But all that can be hindered if we have broken relationships all around us if we're constantly in some kind of war with somebody, or if we're sitting back condemning and judging and being critical. Now, I'm telling you all the truth this morning. And so if we're going to be in warfare, we need to do it according to the rules that the Bible has given us. Otherwise, it's going to hurt us personally. It's going to hurt your bank account. It's going to hurt your anointing. You know, one of the things that hinders lots of people is... About receiving healing is, is unforgiveness, right? And that's yeah. one of the top ones, right off the top of the list. They, you know, what there's like three things: unforgiveness, witchcraft. What's the other one? What was that? Oh yeah, generational curses. See, all those things hinder people. Like so, when somebody's struggling receiving, you know, unforgiveness. If you don't forgive, mean, it just like it blocks things from working in your life. Okay, so I, I think this is what. I, here's what I'm trying to give you and me. Because <laughs> I'm really trying to figure all this out. Because, I'll be honest with you, like I don't really want to do, Lord. I, I'm in the uncomfortable space. I don't like this. I don't want to talk about this. I don't. This is not what I want to do, Lord. That's what I've told the Lord. I don't want to do this. This was not my plan for the year. I didn't want to be talking about spiritual warfare. And judging and criticizing and, the, you know, dealing with political stuff. I don't want to talk about any of that. I don't like any of that. That's not me. And it's like, well, you better because that's what I'm doing. You need to get in my comfort zone because that's what I'm doing now. You can talk about what you want to later and go home and talk about it if Becky will listen to you. <laughs> she won't. Hey, let me tell every man in this room a, a great piece of advice. Here's the greatest advice ever. Your wife's going through a hard time. Which they do, right? Or she's just talking to you and you don't want to talk about it. Any man know about that? Like, Becky, I don't want to talk about that. Well, I do. <laughs> right? I need to talk about it. Well, there's nothing I can do about it. Does any of you not happen to y'all mean you men? Yeah. I mean, good Lord. I mean, it's like, ah, let me run away. Shut up, Byron, just listen. (laughs) But one time I was, Becky was going through this really bad time in her life and I was telling her everything right that she needed to do, you know. I was giving her biblical answers to her problems. I really was. I was giving her verses. This is what Jesus said. This is what the Bible. Looked at me, Byron. You're my husband. You're not my preacher. (laughs) And this is what was real insulting, okay? A couple weeks later, she went to lunch with this woman, preacher, okay? And this woman, preacher, shared with her. She shared with her all her problems. She shared the answers to her. Becky came home on cloud nine, ecstatic about what that woman said, and everything that that woman said, Becky, I told you the same thing. She just couldn't hear it from me. I'm just giving men advice this morning. About your wife. The way you said, it. Yeah. Way you said it. I want to help men, okay, right now, because women are a mystery. And you know, you just need to behave and listen. And if they got problems, you can be gentle and. You know, say, oh, you know, sister so and so has an anointing in that part. Maybe you should go talk to her, and she could probably help you. And just really be nice about it, even though you know the answer. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Becky's great. Becky, come up here, honey. We're gonna pray. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, when your relationships are, are healthy, that's what Jesus was saying to that. When your relationships are healthy, God can open up many other avenues of blessing in your life. As a matter of fact, some of the people where you may have relational dysfunction with are the very people God wants to use to bless you. He really does. I, I've seen that happen. I've been on both sides of that. And, and people I've had difficulties with and realized, oh, I was really, I'm supposed to be helping that person instead of having difficulty with them, you know? And so God really wants to do that. And I think it re- it's really important for us right now with where we're at and the way our world is. You know, everything I'm telling you, I really believe is, is really important for us to be able to function and do what God's called us to do. And everybody has little bits of different callings and different ways this thing's going to work out in your life. But if you don't do these things, you're going to hurt the mission that God wants you to go on. You're going to hurt it. And you're going to cause yourself difficulties. I want you to get on your mission, whatever it is. I don't care what it is. If your mission is to paint pictures that give glory to God, that's your mission. You need to get on it. That's your warfare right now. Go for it. You hear what I'm saying? And so...
1: I was this morning when Dean was sharing I felt like the Lord actually gave me a word I didn't know Byron's preaching on this but I feel like the church needs to stay on the offense and that's really where we're most effective in warfare is by staying on the offense and not getting on the defense so because we we really are coming from victory we're not trying to get to it so we're already there so I feel like that really may be something that we can maybe really take to heart and say, hey, we're, we're, we're on the offensive team. We're, we're the ones that are going to carry the play and, you know, make a difference in this world. So, amen, that's what I was feeling. So. Yeah.
0: The best offense, the best defense is a good offense, right? right. Yeah, yeah. And it really is true. We are coming from a place of victory, and what we're trying to do is get that victory into the world. Where the world can have that victory. And the darkness will have to flee. I, I'm just believing this. Okay, when we look at the world, here's another thing that we need to do. When you look at the condition of the world, don't forget there's a God. Don't forget about Him, that He wants to intervene in that. Because you can get in despair and like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? We're going to be destroyed. Everything's going to fall apart. Oh yeah, but by the way, but God... Right, and we had to remember we have the ultimate ace in the hole. When everything, all the chips down, we just pull that out like oh, we have just beat everything. It's, it's God, okay? It's God. So we're not going to lose because we have God. And if we do have temporary setbacks, well, we're just going to double our uh, blessings, right? We're gonna we're gonna whatever setback you have, God is going to cause you to be a greater overcomer.
1: Amen. I, this week, uh, Dean sent me something where he read in the Old Testament that, was it one angel? Yeah. Smited 70,000 people? Yeah. Let's, one one angel. So we need to remember the God of the Old Testament, too. Yeah. I mean, look at We need to remember him. Yeah. He's not some little God that is, has his hands tied. I mean, one angel. One. So... We're just trying to say, hey, guys, you know, the church is going to arise. I keep saying this to its finest hour. We're coming upon our finest hour. I believe that, and I think for even other believers out there, we need to encourage other believers because lots of people are afraid. But we are coming to our very finest hour. But really what Byron said today is going to be the way we come into that, is by really not being offended, not letting things get us. Uh, not, and, and coming from the offense instead of defense. And, you know, there, and I believe firmly is that God is calling the church now to commitment. He's calling us to deeper commitment than we have ever walked in because it really will take us being committed to him and to his kingdom like never before. And that is, is simply that it's not. And I think if we walk this way, We're going to be some happy campers. Yeah, it's a shift. It's a change in our lives. There may be some things that change for us. There may even be relationships to change. But if we'll just get a hold of this and really see it this way, we are going to really have some good times ahead. They're really good times. It's going to be the church being what she was always meant to be. But it's also going to be the church also being what she was meant to be, a church that is fully committed to Jesus. He's the king, committed to his kingdom. And that's where I see us going, but that's good. It's where I read this week where we're letting go of the trivial, letting go of trivial things and pressing on. So, amen. I don't want to preach another sermon,
0: She wants to preach. All right, so I'm gonna just pray for you and ask the Lord to give you. You're you. I, when I look at y'all, you've got this. You yeah. You're the people. You are God's army. Yeah. You're the Caleb's and the Joshuas, the Pauls and the people. You are. Yeah. You. It's not just some special people have apostles and prophets. It's you. You're the apostles. You're the prophets. You're the evangelist, you're the teachers, you're the preachers. You have to believe that about yourself and see the the circle of influence that God's given you and work in that world and release that that's in you. Whatever it is, whatever it feels, the the gifting. You know, the hospitality is healing. The healing. The love. in, In the world that God's given you, figure it out. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you. And begin to just step out in faith and you you'll see god move through you yeah. you will so lord i just pray that i pray you'd convince us yeah y'all stand up you would convince us lord convince us of who we are in christ yeah. convince us that we have we have the holy ghost yeah. yes. we got the holy ghost in us yes. he's in us yeah. Yeah. we got the fire that Elijah called down we got that fire living inside of us and I pray today that every person in this room that fire would begin to burn in their heart like those two men on the road to Emmaus or those two people maybe one of them was a woman but I pray in Jesus name that our hearts would begin to burn begin to burn and we'd just pull on the oil just pull on the oil no more no more being a foolish virgin you hear me No more. No more foolish virgin stuff. Get your oil. Get your communion. Get your oil from heaven. Just keep receiving it, receiving it, receiving it, receiving it, receiving it. And you'll have a fire that'll burn out of control. You'll have a fire that'll burn. And nothing can stop that fire. Lord, we just ask you to release that fire this morning in our hearts, God. And release it upon us, Lord. In us and upon us. I pray you'd anoint people. You'd anoint them more. Anoint them with the Holy Spirit and power. Holy Spirit and power. Say Holy Spirit and power. Spirit Not just Holy Spirit. That's what that says. Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. That's what He wants us to have. Holy Spirit and power come on your people in the name of Jesus. One of the worst things about going to Walmart is seeing people there in their pajama pants. Let's commit to getting up every morning
2: (laughs) and putting on the full armor of God every day, every day.
1: And then go out and engage in the battle.
2: Okay.
1: it's okay to pick a
2: fight with the devil and we're guaranteed the victory okay. yeah. for a long time I've been wondering I know that i have known in the Spirit that there's, a, that there's this move, new move of the Spirit coming upon us. And I've asked the Lord, what does that look like? And I thought, oh, maybe it's because maybe it's the, the children are going to be rising up in this tremendous power of the Lord. A del poder del Señor. but I'm not sure, well yes I think that's going to happen but now I know, I saw something it's not that we're going to have this tremendous outpouring while we're at church oh that was what I was looking for yo era, eso era lo que yo but it's going to happen in your home. Pero va a pasar en tu hogar. It's going to happen every day in your home. Va a pasar cada día en tu hogar. You're going to feel the Holy Spirit come upon you. Vas a al Santo venir sobre ti. That's what's going to happen. Eso es lo que va a pasar.
0: Amen. Amen. So we are the Smiths to Bien. go out to the revival. Amen.
2: Amen.
1: Amen. Amen.